0: Howdy, howdy everybody, this is Jared Sterrett, and you're listening to KZCLP106.1 Conroe and KZCWLP104.5 in Conroe and worldwide at ourlonestar.com.
1: Monday, here we are in downtown Conroe at Lone Star Community Radio, downtown Conroe, uh, FM 104.5, 106.1. I am your host, Margie Taylor, for this hour of intriguing news and events and things that matter to you in the community in Montgomery County and Conroe, of course. So, um, on this day, Monday, the 23rd of uh, 2018. Our guest today will be J.D. Lambright, who is our county attorney. And in the second half, we will listen to Cecily Kelly. She's the president of the Rotary Club in Conroe. So this show is sponsored by Roger Stein Chiropractic Center, working with prenatal patients, babies, sports injuries, herniated discs, whatever ails you to help you have a healthy, living, lovely life, long life. And they are located across across from Conroe High School on Highway 105 by Taco Bell. So go and pay them a visit. So, in addition to our weekly entertainment and live performances, there's three wonderful events happening in downtown Conroe this week. The first is three paint brushes and a camera. So amazing artists, creative art pieces will be shown by four local four local artists. At Hilsons on Main, on the corner of Simonton and Main, Friday and Saturday. There will be watercolor images. There's going to be mixed media images. And uh, there's also going to be some things done with fine photography. And that will be, again, at Hilsons on Main, on the corner of Simonton and Main. Friday, the 27th, from 10 to 8. And then Saturday, from 10 to 8 also, with a big reception happening, 5 to 8, Friday night food, drinks, prizes. So go by and see three paint brushes and a camera. The other really big event that's happening, the annual event, is Kids Fest. Now, Kids Fest is a free event that is put on by the City of Conroe Parks and Recreation. And it will be throughout the downtown streets. The streets will be closed off, but it's a great family event with hands-on learning experiences for the kids and the parents. There will be booths, there will be food, there will be games, lots of interaction, lots of things to do and touch and learn uh, and find out about. And uh, a lot of people are donating their time to make this a wonderful event. So that will be from 10 to 5 in downtown Conroe. The best place to park would be in the parking garages because you may not have access to your normal parking places to go around downtown. So it is not just at Heritage Park, but it lines all the way up to Main Street through Metcalf, uh, Simonton. And uh, so I believe they will start closing the streets I'm going to say after 3 o'clock on Friday, something like that, to be setting up for that. So that is a great event, and I think it's going to be wonderful weather for that as well. Right next door to us at Conroe Coffee, they are going to be having their monthly art experience, and that is a graduate from the Woodlands High School. His name is Matt Kane, and he has a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree in Cinematography and an emphasis in digital media from Stephen F. Austin. And he has uh, a lot of his pieces will be on display over there next door at Conroe Coffee. And that event is uh, Friday uh, from like 5 to 8 p.m. If you want to know more about events that are happening in downtown Conroe, you can go to the Facebook page, which is. Experience Downtown Conroe, they also have a website, which is experiencedowntownconroe.com to find out all about the monthly events, and uh, they have a calendar on there. They also put on the first Thursday farmer's market, market days, and uh, this month, along with the first Thursday concert, they had over 1,200 people come out to that first Thursday concert, so they're going to be doing that again May the 3rd. So watch for that. So the live entertainment this week. This is the last weekend for The Elephant Man. And it is not a musical. It's more of a drama. So it's a a step out of the norm for Stage Right Theater of Texas, which performs at the Crichton Theater. So you can still get tickets for that for Friday night at 8, Saturday night at 8, and the matinee at 2 p.m. Sunday at CrichtonTheater.org. Other entertainment will be Thursday night is Buck Yeager will be at the Red Brick Tavern. Farland Jams will be at the Corner Pub. Jamie White will be at Pacific Yard House. Friday night is Fallon Franklin at the Red Brick Tavern. John Crichton at the Corner Pub. Tyler and the Train Robbers at Pacific Yard House. The Conroe Coffee Art Experience. Three paint brushes and a camera at Hilsons Elephant Man. Saturday night, Austin English will be at the Red Brick Tavern. Tyler and the team. Roberts will be again at Pacific Yard House. Three paintbrushes and a camera and Elephant Man. Not to miss Sunday, Gospel Sunday Brunch with the Reverend Sleep, Sleepy Ray. Now, this gentleman is also running for city council in Conroe. And if you don't know, uh, early voting starts today at two locations. One is the April Sound Church and at the Conroe Tower on the sixth floor. You can vote conroe residents for two positions i believe those are positions four and six so it is your duty to go out and vote so start on that Um, election day is may 5th saturday the may the 5th so that's all the events we have going on we're going to take a quick break i'm your host margie taylor and we'll be right back with my first guest jd lambright
0: Three seven seven six to take your first step into the radio world,
1: and we are back. I'm your host Margie Taylor, and my first guest today on Conroe Culture News is JD Lambright, and he has been our County Attorney for Montgomery County since January of 2013,
4: right, JD? Yes, that's correct. I was uh, actually elected uh, November of 2012, but sworn into office January 1st of 2013.
1: So, is it what you thought it would be?
4: <laughs> it, it's, it's actually it's what I thought I would be thought it would be, and much much more. which which I'm appreciative. We, uh, a very dynamic group. Uh, I've got a staff of 30 altogether. And, uh, in one way to look at it, we're the chief legal advisors for the Montgomery County government. Uh, but we have five divisions that are all very distinct. Uh, it's really like, as I tell people, like five separate law firms under one roof.
1: Yes. I mean, there's a lot of different things that you do that people don't know about, but how did you get there? What's a little bit of your background of how you got to where you are?
4: Well, I, I got here probably in a not traditional fashion. Uh, my background and my degrees are actually in electrical engineering. And I've got a master's in electrical engineering from Texas Tech.
1: And you use that a lot every day now, right?
4: I, I do at home, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, uh, at the office some too. I, I kind of take care of a number of things, uh, uh, whether that's evening or first thing in the morning or something. But that's not
1: your primary thing. So not how not did, my primary how did thing. you how did you get to what you're doing now?
4: Well, uh, after I got my master's at Texas Tech and I went to work for Shell Oil Company as an electrical engineer and geophysicist. That was in 1974. I had a great career with Shell, uh, always officed in Houston, but I worked projects all over the world. And uh, late in my Shell career, I decided to go to law school nights and weekends. And uh, I didn't know any lawyers. There's no lawyers in my family, but I'd taken a business law class in uh, graduate school. And it just was fascinating because it wasn't, Calculus and physics and Ugh. engineering, all that. It was just so different.
1: All that hard, hard stuff.
4: Yeah. And, and of course, this was not not easy stuff either, but it's quite quite different. Uh, and, and so uh, I, I finished law school, stayed on with Shell. I had a great Shell career. I just kind of had a yearning to do something different. And so I retired early from Shell in 1999. I had 25 years with Shell. And essentially the next day, I opened my law practice uh, right here in downtown Conroe in the Conroe Tower. And a lot of people thought I left my mind, to, well, lost my mind, to walk away from the job like I had at shell. Uh, and then thirteen years of being in private practice, they they really thought I lost my mind and ran for office. And so he, here we are now, after getting elected uh, in uh, November of twenty twelve.
1: How much fun was it running for office?
4: It's, you, you know you've <laughs> got you've got to want to do it uh, if you're serious about it, like I was, and I try to be serious about everything I do. Uh, if you're in it to win it, it's it can be grueling. Uh, it can be all-consuming, kind of breakfast, lunch, dinner, uh, weekends, everything. There are so many events to go to, so many people to meet and get your name out there. Uh, it's, a, it's a county-wide election, uh, and there's um, uh, around 560,000 people in the county. And you quickly discover just how big physically Montgomery County is trying to cover that whole county. But I, I enjoy it, uh, but you've got to want to do that if you're serious about it.
1: And in your election, you won all 90 voting precincts. Yes, That's phenomenal.
4: Actually, in in my re-election, I I was just re-elected. I served a four-year term, Mm -hmm. and I was re-elected in uh, the— 2016? uh, Yeah, 2016. I'm on what we call the presidential cycle, so I was elected November 16. At that time, Montgomery County was comprised of 90 uh, voting precincts. And, and yes, I was fortunate enough, I won uh, all 90 in a very hotly contested race, but I actually got more than 50% in all 90 uh, uh, of those voting precincts. Very nice. Now we have 96 voting precincts. Uh, as the population increases, they keep... To, bigger uh, and bigger. They have to add voting precincts.
1: Well, very nice. I, I do think it's very interesting how you were in a different field, you know, with your hands in mechanical engineering and other things for uh, Shell, and suddenly you're an attorney. That's... I guess it just fascinated you to just keep going further and uh, to inspire and help people and figure things out, knowing that there's an end. There's an end to it at, at some point, and it's how you interpret the law, right? Exactly,
4: and and, and you know, I, uh, my, my, with my background in electrical engineering and and 25 years' experience out in the the private <coughs> sector, and then 13 years in the private <coughs> sector in my own law practice, I always thought, and I feel today, that's one of the greatest strengths I brought to this office is I wasn't a career government employee. I wasn't steeped in, well, that's how we've always done it in there, uh, in in whatever office it may be. Uh, And a lot of the people I've brought in, uh, an awful lot of those had no government experience at all. But I think the things you learn out of the private sector, whether that's in the field of law or any other field, that that real-world experience Mm -hmm. that you bring to it and just a different way to look at things. Absolutely. A sense of urgency, a sense of time, Money worried about budget and this sort of thing. So, I think it's all I think all my background has served me very well in this job.
1: Well, and you have feet on the ground, you are uh, seen in a lot of places throughout Montgomery County, a lot of different events. You're very involved in what happens in our county. I mean, you know, of course, lately you've been in the news with some other things that were going on with different um, government officials, county officials, but that's what you do. You you represent them too, right? that, is that which That's the primary thing that you do?
4: Yes, Margie, that's correct. My my office, and as I mentioned earlier, I think a, a staff of 30, I have about 15 lawyers. I have about 10 legal assistants, uh, two investigators, an administrative manager, and a uh, victim assistance coordinator, but we're the chief legal advisors for all of the county government. Uh, we we don't represent private individuals, just all of our government. And, of course, one of our largest client, uh, clientele groups is law enforcement. Because of the 2,200, 2,300 uh, county employees, 900 or so are in law enforcement. So that's a big part of what we do. We, we interact a lot with our, our law enforcement entities.
1: So you are the county attorney, and how is that just dis- different from the district attorney?
4: That's a, that's a good question because I learned back during my original campaign, most most people have a general idea of what the DA or the district attorney does. Uh, essentially, you know, they're charged with, uh, uh, you know, keeping bad people off the streets, if you will, a simplistic way to put it. Where the county attorney, we are quite different with the with the five divisions. And uh, as I kind of stepped around the hall in my office, we prosecute all the juvenile cases for Montgomery County. And we tend to run around 1,100, 1,200 juvenile cases uh, each year. Now,
1: is that just the felony cases? No,
4: that's every. That's ju- everything. Everything from a Class B misdemeanor up through and including capital murder, and most people don't really know this, but in Texas, you wonder, well, what's a juvenile? And a juvenile in, in the state of Texas, as the current law is, is a, any child between the ages of ten through sixteen.
1: That's amazing.
4: So once you reach your seventeenth birthday, uh, you don't get to deal with my office. You get to deal with the district attorney's office. Uh, so we stay quite busy on the juvenile side. Uh, Also, we are the attorneys uh, for Child Protective Services, and at any given time we have somewhere around 350-375 cases that we represent Child Protective Services in. Uh, Another area distinctly different from that, we handle all the real estate transactions for the county. Uh, So if they're having to buy land, extend an airport, runway, uh, to add a new road or bridge or acquire right-of-way, which brought in a lot of work from my office with the passage of the road bond in, I guess, 2015, I think. Uh, so much right-of-way has to be acquired. And
1: how's that going now
4: it's, it, <laughs> with it's the road bond? The, uh, the, it's, it's going well from— It's very
1: controversial uh, right now.
4: Yeah, it's, but from our position, mm-hmm. we, can, we are doing this for a fraction of the cost. Before I came into office, most of that acquisition was done by outside counsel— and we have the talent, and the skill, and expertise in the office, so we do it there for a very small fraction. Mm-hmm. So we've acquired, like on Rayford Road expansion, a much mm-hmm. needed expansion. I think we acquired sixty-five or so properties on Rayford Road. We've acquired a lot of property on Michaela Road for that widening to from two lanes to five. Ten ninety-seven FM, ten ninety-seven. So it's it's really all all parts of the county we're involved in. But it then it just it's,
1: make it just makes more sense to use those people that are already working for the county than to contract
4: out. That's right. I mean, we have the same as
1: engineers too, right? But yet we use outside sources.
4: That's correct. The only time we really use outside counsel, one, the county is required to have outside bond counsel. That's just a a requirement they have to do. So we don't handle the bonds and so forth for the county. But about the only time we utilize outside counsel in my office is typically if there's a conflict or a perceived conflict. For example, uh, where this comes up some we're involved in a lot of federal civil rights lawsuits typically somebody is suing one of our law enforcement officials or one of our elected officials claiming their civil rights were violated uh, and they'll they'll sue the sheriff and various deputies and so forth as well as hmm. the county and so they' sometimes uh, our primary use is is serving the county's interest and if there's a situation where well maybe this law enforcement, uh, he, officer, his interest might be contrary to the county's, then that law enforcement officer gets outside counsel provided by the county. And then we represent the county's uh, interest, but that does not happen too often, mm-hmm. but that's not mm-hmm. that the only sense. time we use outside counsel.
1: So you also are involved with uh, protective orders?
4: Yes, we handle, we probably re- average 25 or 30 protective orders uh, each month. Most of those times uh, they're involving uh, women seeking a protective order. Against an, In some abusive relationship they're in, maybe a roommate, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. Uh, but sometimes we do handle protective orders. It, it, it's a male coming in for a protective order. Mm. Uh, that same group, we handle a lot of mental health cases as, as well. Uh, Tell me about that. It's, it's an interesting and difficult uh, field because we're looking there, uh, you know, about somebody uh, look at seeking an involuntary commitment. Maybe they've either got a young person in their family, an elderly person. It could be anyone. And uh, all of those cases are heard by, uh, presently heard by Judge uh, Turner in in County Court Mm -hmm. of Law 4. Another aspect of what we do, we handle all the litigation for the county. That's my third division, kind of litigation division. Or actually, that's the fourth division, I guess, that I've talked about. Uh, Most of the time, we're defending the county or defending our elected officials or department heads or whatever. But we have our share of car crashes as well, maybe a county dump truck you know, has rear end somebody and then they plowed into somebody else or hit some property. Uh, so, uh, But sometimes we're the plaintiff, but more often than not, we're, we're the uh, representative defendants. And uh, a lot of those cases are in federal court, but we also have state court cases. And then my last division is what I call government affairs. And that's kind of everything else that we haven't talked about. That's labor and employment. You can imagine that with a county of this size, we have a lot of labor and employment issues contracts, legal opinions, open records requests. It's kind of everything that's not in one of the other categories.
1: Where does worth, um, worthless checks go?
4: Oh, it's a good point. Worthless checks, we've actually got that structured in our government affairs section. Okay, so
1: uh, right in there as well. It is
4: right in there. And uh, i I'm keep been keeping track lately since I took office. So in five years, uh, presently, we've collected uh, just over $920,000 Wow. or local merchants. And that's who gets the money. They've accepted a, mm-hmm. a hot check or bad check. And uh, we don't prosecute the criminal case against those people, but we handle collection of of the monies for them. It's been a very successful effort.
1: Okay. Well, we're going to take a quick break and come back and hear a little bit more of how to, you know, the things that are important to you, your latest cases, possibly things like that. And uh, we'll be right back. I am your host, Margie Taylor, and this is sponsored by Roger Stein Chiropractic.
2: Since 2004, Roger Stein Chiropractic has offered spine and joint manipulation services to residents of Montgomery County and surrounding areas. Conditions treated include lower back pain, migraines, headaches, whiplash, carpal tunnel, neck pain, sciatica, joint pain, sports injuries, herniated discs, and complications from pregnancy. Roger Stein Chiropractic, led by Dr. Stacy Rogers and Dr. Brian McGee, is an integrity verified chiropractic clinic. Call 936 441 9990 for an appointment. Or visit Rogers Stein, Chiropractic.com. That's R O D G E R S S T E I N Chiropractic.com.
0: Alone lone star community radio is ready for the summer if you or anyone you know is looking for summer internship opportunities Alone lone star community radio is a great place to grab the mic and be on the air Alone lone star community radio offers a great opportunity to those interested in learning about the radio world all year round be an on-air personality talk show producer or youtube tv podcast editor contact the station at info at irlonestar.com or call the station's message line at 936 647 3776.
1: G. Taylor for Conroe Culture News out of downtown Conroe, FM 104.5, 106.1, right next to Conroe Coffee and the Branding Iron, where if you go to the Branding Iron, you will see authentic Lake Conroe merchandise, Conroe merchandise. Where else can you get Conroe merchandise, seriously? So that's where we're at, Lone Star Community Radio in downtown Conroe. So we are here today with J.D. Lambright, who is our Montgomery County attorney, and he was telling us about his responsibilities that he has uh, to serve the community, which is being the legal counsel for any uh, county employee, uh, anybody in law enforcement, and he works with uh, CPS cases uh, juvenile cases, protective orders, worthless checks, real estate. I mean, it goes on. Um, of course, you can find out more about that on his website, which is mctxcao.org. And, uh, but, J.D., tell me some of the cases that stand out more in your mind.
4: Okay, yeah, absolutely. And in, in fact, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about There's one case that I don't think will ever stand out in my mind more than this case, And this, uh, actually, it was a juvenile case that occurred back in uh, the summer of 1998 over in the uh, east part of the county near Splendora. And uh, a little uh, eight-year-old boy, in fact, it was his eighth birthday.
1: Gives me chills.
4: (laughs) He was, uh, yeah, me too, when I try to talk about it. Uh, He was doused with gasoline and set on fire uh, alive and just horrifically uh, burned. Uh, over every uh, part of his body except a a part of one foot, about the size of a quarter. That's the only part. And he was just uh, terribly disfigured, and I can't imagine the incredible pain and suffering he went through. And nobody really thought that he would live, you know, maybe an hour or two or maybe through the night. And, of course, this was long, long before I took office in in thirteen. But somehow uh, with all the, the treatment at Shriners Burn Institute, Texas Children's Hospital, I'm sure a lot of prayer and everything else, he lived almost 13 years. Uh, Robert Middleton was the little boy's name and he he died shortly before his uh, 21st birthday. And I never had the opportunity to meet uh, uh, Robert, but I, I was aware of the case because I opened my private law practice in 99, right after this happened. So I, I had some familiarity with the case and after I came into office, actually shortly before I came into office, we started talking about that case because it had never been prosecuted in in all those years. By that time, 15 years had passed, and I met with the uh, little boy's family. I met with Robert Milton's family, and uh, I met with law enforcement. And uh, I remember so vividly uh, talking about that case because it was very cold by this time, 15 years old, and there was no direct witnesses that we at least that we knew about. And I told the family then, uh, it had to be prosecuted in my office. Nobody else could prosecute it, uh, even by that time, because we, we, we had a great idea who the perpetrator was. He had just never been brought to justice, but he was no longer a juvenile. In fact, what it turned out, uh, the boy that did it was the next door neighbor of Robert Middleton, and that neighbor was uh, 13 years old at the time.
1: Why did he do this?
4: Well, what we learned during the, during the investigation, which uh, I, I can't say enough good things about the Montgomery County Sheriff's Department and the cold case squad, because uh, I have met with the parents, and I, t- I remember like it was yesterday, I said, I would rather step up to the plate and lose this case than never even make an attempt, because it had never been prosecuted for 15 years. So I met with the cold case detectives, and I remember asking well, how long do y'all need? Uh, you know, this has been a long time ago, and they said, we need about six months, and so I said, you've got six months. And uh, they did the most miraculous job. And I remember one day they pulled up to the office. They called me and said, hey, we're here to give the file to you. And I said, Well, will not you just pull up in the alley so we're not trying to park in the street. And they opened the doors on their van and it was stacked completely full of boxes. And I said, oh, I guess you're bringing files to the DA as well. And they said, no, this is all yours. Wow. And it was about 50,000 pages documents very meticulously organized they had located everybody that was any kind of a witness to that that case that they could find and um Good so I, it, I personally filed the capital murder charges uh against robert middleton i excuse me against don collins that was yep. the perpetrator and don
1: collins road i know where that uh, is oh is that right <laughs> <Yep>. oh
4: okay <laughs> well and the and i actually was over there i went to the scene several times just to acquaint myself with it and you may be wondering, well, wait a minute. So Don Collins, if he was 13 at the time, 15 years later, he's 28. So why is that in my office? Well, it goes back to the time he committed the offense. Don Collins was 13. And so nobody had jurisdiction over that case in Montgomery County except the county attorney's office. The district attorney couldn't do anything. So if was anything was ever going to be done, it was on me. And given the difficulty of it, I, I filed it personally myself, the capital murder charges, and kind of goes back to why capital and, and why he did this. What we learned during the investigation, 10 days or so before dousing uh, Robert with gasoline, Don Collins had sexually assaulted uh, Robert Middleton. And uh, we can only assume uh, that he decided, I've got to do something to shut this kid up uh, so he can't testify against me. And so he lured him into the woods near their homes and poured gasoline on him, set him on fire. Uh, but it, uh, I don't think uh, we'll ever have a more memorable case, probably the most horrific juvenile case in the history of this county, maybe the most horrific case, period. Uh, we have a lot of, you know, you always have murders and these sort of things, but to do what he the did- suffering. The, the suffering, suffering is what gets you, yes. Oh, incredible amount of suffering. He had over 200 surgeries at Shriners and Texas Children's and like I say, horrible disfigurement, but we finally got justice uh, for the family. And one one key aspect of that case I should mention- uh, we uh, we had to get it out of the juvenile system in order to prosecute it. And so we had a very successful, I think it was a three-day a trial or certification hearing. We had to get him certified to stand trial as an adult. And if we had not been successful in that, Don Collins would have walked away. Nobody could have ever done anything. But we, were, we did prevail on that uh, in Judge Hamilton's court. Mm-hmm. And then the trial itself got moved to Galveston on a change of venue because of all the publicity. So we all traveled to Galveston, I think it was a seven-day trial, and a unanimous jury verdict came back and sentenced Don Collins to 40 years, which was the maximum he could get because of his age at the time he committed it. So- Job uh, well done. But, well, thank you, <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> right. uh, uh, I don't think they're ever more gratifying case and a more difficult and challenging case because it also went mm-hmm. up on appeal to the Ninth Court of Appeals. It went up on appeal to the uh, Texas Court of Criminal Appeals as well as the Texas Supreme Court and we prevailed at every step on a very difficult and challenging case, both legally and factually.
1: Yes, I remember you speaking about that in my LMC class, and you're an LMC graduate too,
4: right? Yeah, that's correct. I'm, I was a leadership Montgomery County class, class of 2010, and then I served a term on the board in I think each year now since I've been in office, I've got to uh, had the opportunity to speak to the incoming class. I, re- I really enjoy that. It's a great program. It is
1: a great program. You've also been involved with uh, dispute resolutions, haven't you?
4: Yes. Uh, before I was uh, a county attorney, I was selected as the uh, uh, general counsel for the Montgomery County Dispute Resolution Center, or DRC, mm-hmm. and uh, they handle all the. Uh, mediation, not all the mediations, all the ones where uh, uh, people really usually can't afford to hire lawyers for it. And it keeps them out of court, too. Exactly. It it takes tremendous load off of the courts. And so I was their general counsel for 10 or 11 years. Mm -hmm. And then when I got elected, I stepped down from that position because I thought that would be a conflict Since I am also the attorneys for Child Protective Services, and we go to the DRC for mediations, and I want to avoid any appearance of anything, and I just do that with everything we do. Mm -hmm. I want to avoid any appearance of impropriety, Mm -hmm. uh, conflict, anything, and that's the message we send to our staff, and we try to send that to our clients. You have
1: a very strong ethics and uh, moral obligation, and you're a real asset to this community.
4: Well, thank you. I take that very seriously. In fact, if people visit our website, like you mentioned. Uh, we have a very, very informative website with a lot of information in detail that was was built right in our own office, and we we update that every day or two. And uh, ethics uh, shows up as a big part on on that uh, website. We really place a big emphasis on that. But as I tell people, uh, ethics is much more than just developing an ethics policy. Uh, it's walking the walk. The walk. <laughs> it's walking the walk, which it's it's electing and hiring. Ethical people. That's the real key to it. Uh, simply a piece of paper, a document alone is not going to ensure you've got ethics. It, you, it starts all the way from the time you hire somebody or you uh, or they're elected.
1: Well, and I'm just going to say it seems like there's a change in the climate in Montgomery County politics lately. Yeah, and I think that's a, a big part of it. It's all about ethics and doing the right thing.
4: I think that is a big part of. It. In fact, you mentioned the phrase "doing the right thing." That is emblazoned across. When you go to our uh, webpage, and actually, I said this back during my campaign: "Just do the right thing for the right reasons in the right way." And to me, and all my, the time, all the time, <laughs> and really, to to me and all my staff, it it really seems to come easy because it's just the right thing to do. We don't really have to think about it. But uh, sometimes you struggle to get that message out, and we just want to stay as far away from crossing any line, whether that's an ethical line or a legal line. You don't even need to come close to that line.
1: Well, I appreciate you coming on the show today, J.D., and hopefully you'll come back again and tell us about other developing cases and reiterate the responsibilities that your office has, because you have a large staff that's doing a lot of wonderful things to make an impact and improve our community. So, I appreciate you coming on, and uh, we will take a quick break. I'm your host, Margie Taylor, and this is sponsored by Roger Stein Chiropractic.
2: Since 2004, Roger Stein Chiropractic Roger Stein Chiropractic, led by Dr. Stacy Rogers and Dr. Brian McGee, is an integrity-verified chiropractic clinic. Call 936-441-9990 for an appointment or visit rogerssteinchiropractic.com. That's R-O-D-G-E-R-S-S-T-E-I-N-chiropractic.com.
3: Do you want to know what's going on in Conroe? Tune in to Keeping Up With Conroe. Keeping Up With Conroe will highlight upcoming events and local businesses in the area. Keeping Up With Conroe will air the second Tuesday of every month at 11 a.m. and will be hosted by the Conroe CVB staff. Keeping Up With Conroe will highlight Conroe's amazing attractions for residents and visitors. So tune in to Keeping Up With Conroe and join the staff of the Conroe CVB every month on Lone Star Community Radio. For more information about Keeping Up With Conroe and the Conroe CVB, go to visitconroe.com.
0: Or call the station message line at 936-647-3776.
1: We are back. I'm your host, Margie Taylor, and this is Conroe Culture News at FM 104.5, 106.1 out of downtown Conroe. Lone Star Community Radio, located right next door to Conroe Coffee. In fact, they have a window that you can see us talking on the show. And if you're standing on the sidewalk, you can probably hear it too, loud and clear. We're right by the Crichton Theater, which is showing the Elephant Man this weekend. Final performances Friday, Saturday night at 8, matinee at 2 p.m., and go grab a bite to eat at one of the many restaurants in downtown Conroe. So my next guest today is Cecily Kelly. She is president of the Rotary Conroe. Welcome, Cecily.
3: Thank you, She's Happy to be here. It's a beautiful day today. It's a wonderful day.
1: First, we really, truly never know what the weather's going to be like. It can be like really cold in the morning and rain and have a horrible downpour and then have a beautiful Sunday. Like yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like something that happened recently. So... Um, Rotary.
3: How long have you been involved in Rotary? Um, I've been a Rotarian for 16 years and the Rotary Club of Conroe is my third Rotary Club. I joined Rotary originally in Coronado, California. Coronado. I love it out there. It's yes. so beautiful. Yeah. Makes
1: me beautiful. think of the bridge and all yes. of that. It was a and beautiful the place Coronado, to live. Coronado. Um, is it the hotel? Is that what it's called? The Hotel Del Coronado. Yes. Yes. That's where our Rotary Club met. How fabulous. Okay, so Rotary,
3: how long has it been around? The Rotary, Rotary itself has been around since more than 100 years. The Rotary Club of Conroe has been in Conroe 85 years. In fact, we had a celebration last summer um, to celebrate the influence that we've had in the Conroe community. So it's always uh, a wonderful organization here.
1: Well, what I'd really like is the... Uh, The object of Rotary and the four-way test. Yes. That's what stands out in my mind. And that's how I was relating the two of you, both JD and you, because I I always try to bring something that uh, is relative to both guests. And it's about doing the right thing, speaking
3: the truth. And um, absolutely. First, is it the truth? Is it the truth? Is it fair to all concerned? And we go, go through that every week. And uh, Rotary is an international organization. We actually have Rotarians in more countries than are members of the United Nations. We have uh, more than 1.6 million Rotarians all over the world. And uh, the thing that Rotary International is most famous for doing is our efforts to eliminate polio. And we've been working on that for 30 years. Um, When we started, polio was endemic in more than 170 countries, and we're down to the last three.
1: Three, yes.
3: Three. Um, Unfortunately, there are three very challenging countries, Nigeria, Afghanistan, and Pakistan. But so far this year, we have only had three new cases of polio, and we are hoping in the next uh, several years that we can get down to zero. And then we have to keep it at zero for three years. And then polio will have been eliminated in the world. So we're working really hard. And we're working with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. I was to ask, yes. And uh, they are providing for every dollar that's donated to Polio Plus to eliminate polio, they are matching it two for one. So it's, it's really a wonderful program.
1: And people don't think about polio much because it's really not, it's not prevalent in the United States. You know,
3: polio was eliminated in the United States in the 1970s. So it's been a long time. Most young people don't have any idea of what it is. But um, there are lots of places that it still exists. And if we don't eliminate it, and stop vaccinating somewhere, then polio is merely a plane ride away from reinfecting people.
1: Do babies still get immunized for polio?
3: Yes. Okay. Yes. I didn't know. I'm a little far yes. from that, too. Yeah. Yeah, me too. <laughs> no, but they, um, I know my babies did. <laughs> yeah. Everyone alive until it's eliminated has to be immunized. But there have been some uh, side effects to that. So if we can eliminate polio completely, then no one will have to be immunized again.
1: Well, let's talk about um, some of the things that Rotary Conroe does too. So I know that this is the year of the tree planting.
3: Yes. um, Our uh, Rotary International uh, president, Ian Risley, who's from Australia, has challenged the Rotarians all over the world to plant a tree for every Rotarian because of the tremendous deforestation that's taking place. The Rotary Club of Conroe has been sponsoring Runyon Elementary School for the last um, 20 years or so, and we chose... To plant our trees at Runyon, and we did that on a fairly rainy morning February. in February. Yes, it February was bit, 24th, I
1: think. Yes, it
3: was a <laughs> bit cold out there, but um, they're in the process of having construction of zones and new houses built around Runyon. So the trees that we're planting will provide not only a scenic buffer, but also a sound buffer for the school. And so we send people out every once in a while to make sure our trees are still Maintain. doing fine. And, you know, so far we've had enough rain that we haven't had to provide extra water.
1: Well, it's good. Did you know that trees need to get a half inch of rain a week? A half inch a week? Wow. Yes. Yes. I didn't know that. Yes. These things I learned
3: from working <laughs> with an arborist.
1: Yes. So that's interesting. I like the tree planting. You also have a reading initiative.
3: Yes. um, One of the things that we do um, is I Like Me books. And for every first grader in the Conroe High School feeder zone and the New Caney High School feeder zone, we provide an individualized book for that student to take home. And it has the name of their teacher, their name and the name of three friends that they have provided that's woven in through the story. And one of the things that we found is that it helps maintain their reading level over the summer, because once school is out, many of the homes that the kids go home to don't have books, don't have people that read to them every night. And this is a way that keeps things going. Um, One of the other wonderful things we found, we sponsor an interact program for high schoolers at Conroe High School. And very often, we get kids who come in and say, we know who Rotary is. You're the people who gave me my I Me book, and I still have it.
1: And they save it. Well, it's personalized to them. Like you mentioned, it has their name, their teacher, their friends. So that must take a lot of time
3: to personalize those books, too. And we have a wonderful company that we work with that provides that. And we try to wait as long as possible in the year um, before we send the, the request to the printers because there are lots of kids who are coming in into the school system. We want to make sure as many people as possible get How many that. kids is that, roughly? Um, 1,800.
1: That's a lot of kids. Yeah. So it's, you're always looking to get people who want to sponsor the I
3: Like Me books too, aren't yes, you? Yes, yes. Do they have uh, to be a Rotary member? No, you do not have to be a Rotary member. This year we have several other Businesses is an organization, the TOPS um, organization, which is the people who sponsor the speedboats on Lake Conroe. Um, they have sponsored three elementary schools. Several businesses have picked up and are sponsoring elementary schools. It costs about five to $700 per elementary school. That's not depending bad. Depending on the number of students. So how would they contact you? Um, they can, um, go to Rotary Conroe's website and, uh, leave an email or email us at rotaryconroe at gmail.org.
1: Or then go on your Facebook page, maybe leave a
3: message too. Yes. At gmail.com.
1: Okay. Okay. Well, those are
3: good ways to connect. And of course the meetings are every Tuesday. Every Tuesday at noon. And we meet at the Conroe Lake Conroe Chamber of Commerce uh, right on, um, one Oh five. So, um, people are welcome to come and join us. Uh, we have a variety of interesting speakers, um, someone different every week. So we are always welcome.
1: And very active in the community. You know, it's not just, so you start, with the inner circle of Conroe, and then you build out to Montgomery County, and then you build out to Texas. And I mean, it is, like you said, world, worldwide. So if you're traveling somewhere out of state, out of the country, you can easily drop
3: in at a Rotary meeting. Oh, absolutely. In fact, that's one of the things that I like most about being a Rotarian, because I travel a good deal. And you can always go, there's an app you can have on your phone that you can... Of course there's an app. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you can track down a Rotary meeting anywhere. I've been to Rotary meetings in Germany and England and um, in six or seven different states in Japan. Um, and we love hosting. Uh, there's Rotary also has a number of fellowships. And my husband and I have for many years been part of the Visitor and Hosting Rotarians. And we've hosted people from Kenya and Ecuador and Australia and New Zealand and Nepal, um, just wonderful. Meet a lot people. of different people. Yes, and they're all terrifically um, service-minded. That's one of the things that Rotary is most famous. Well, for. that's what attracted me. Is it's
1: very sorry, very service-oriented first. Absolutely. Very first. Absolutely. It's not about anything else. So, to me, that really uh, makes a big. Bigger difference than some of the other uh, community civic organizations that I've been
3: a part of. Yeah, I mean, we really like that. We like to have fun too, but we... Well, yeah, fun is part of it. <laughs> but you can have fun servicing people. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. you really can. And you have an annual fundraiser that's in October. Yes, it's called Spirits of Texas. And it's um, a, a social <laughs> evening where we pair Texas wines, Texas... Foods and uh, local merchants and uh, beer distributors, alcohol distributors, um, and wine companies all contribute. And food, wine, and people, it's a good mix. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and we also donate uh, $5 from every ticket to um, Ending World Polio. So it's a really fun thing. That'll come up the 23rd of October. And we're also doing a raffle. Will you see us out at Kids Fest on Saturday? And we're raffling off a custom golf cart or the third, there's a fishing trip and um, also a birthday party at Incredible Pizza. And those tickets are $20 or six um, tickets for $100.
1: And the proceeds from that?
3: And the proceeds from that will go to help support our uh, youth services in the county.
1: Okay, so high school kids can get involved in High interact. school kids
3: can get involved. Uh, we sponsor the Interact Club at Conroe High School. There are also Interact Clubs at Willis and Montgomery High School, the Woodlands Oak Ridge, sponsored by other Rotary Clubs in the county. And then college level also, On right? college level, we have Rotaract, and that is for students <coughs> who are 18 and over. And we are hoping to start a community-based rather than um, college-based club in the town um, coming up. One of the things that we think is most fun is um, also the uh, RILA program, which is Rotary Youth Leadership Program. And we send students from Conroe High School every year to a long weekend with um, students from all over our district, which goes from Palestine to Beaumont. And it helps them develop their own confidence in their ability to be leaders. So it's a wonderful program. It's free uh, to the students who participate. So we keep going with that. So we'd love to
1: have people come. I'm a Rotarian and yes. I'm a member of the club, the Conroe Rotary Club. We'd love to have people come and be a guest and Absolutely. see what it feels like. Absolutely. You know, um, it's not so big that you can't get to know everyone. But yet it's not just a small group of people either.
3: Yeah, <laughs> oh, I think it's fun. Like I said, we do a lot of different things. Um, one of the things we're having a great time doing this year is we're stuffing art bags for the kids at Texas Children's Hospital in the Woodlands, because a lot of kids spend a lot of time there with nothing to do. Unfortunately, yes, unfortunately. And so we have great time and we have involved (laughs) not only, um, our members, but also family members. We had a great time where we had even five, six, four, five, six, seven year old children who are, um, children of our members or grandchildren of our members who could come and help. And they loved stuffing those art bags. Of course they do. <laughs> yes. Kids love getting involved and making Absolutely. a difference. They
1: really do. Yeah. So I look forward to seeing you out at Kids Fest. I will be out there as well. And uh, if you want to find out more information about Rotary Conroe, you come to a meeting any Tuesday. Any Tuesday any Tuesday, at, Tuesday noon. at noon. Or you can come a little earlier at 1130. Get a great lunch, hear a great speaker, and uh, connect with some people that uh, have just will welcome you into the club and to hear about why they're involved in Rotary. And (laughs) who have a heart and mind for service. Another way is to find Conroe Rotary on Facebook or to Google it and go to the website and see all the different members that are involved. That concludes our show for today. I'm your host, Margie Taylor. And I don't know why I'm having a coughing spell, (coughs) but this is sponsored by Roger Stein Chiropractic, and they are located across from Conroe High School on Highway 105, and they will actually be a guest next week with CASA. So look forward to hearing from them again, and I hope you have a wonderful week. We'll see you at Kids Fest Saturday.